What activity were advisors and law firms shopping around the market in 2022? And more importantly, what were lessons learned and how are we seeing those numbers change this year? Welcome to Spotlight and our ongoing mini-series where Secondary's Investor dives into interesting developments in the Secondary's market. I'm Madeline Farman, Senior Reporter with Secondary's Investor, and today I'm joined by my colleague Adam Lay, Senior Editor with PEI. We sat down to run through some key takeaways that came out of Secondary's Investor's law firm and advisory surveys. Here's our conversation. All right, so we've been uh, looking into the advisors around the secondaries market over the last couple of months, haven't we, Adam? Yes, that's right. I guess both the financial advisors and the legal advisors to secondaries transactions for our annual secondaries investor advisory survey and secondaries investor law firm survey. Yes, and I understand that you have some lessons that you're looking to give to the listeners today on the back of the Secondaries Investor Law Firm survey, Adam? I I do. It was certainly an interesting year. There are a couple of interesting things that popped up that some market participants pointed out. So keen to share those at the end of this uh, recording. So maybe just to jump in and discuss the findings from the Secondaries Investor Advisory Survey in 2023. So those that responded advised on over $111 billion of closed activity last year and an average of 24 transactions. Looking at GP-led activity first, 10 out of the 11 respondents to the survey advised on GP-led transactions last year with Credit Suisse, Devon Park Advisors and Flow Advisors devoting all of their time to these transactions. The average time from launch to signing across the 11 firms was just shy of four months, with the average time from launch to close taking under seven months across the year. Axon Partners, Campbell Lutyens, Elm Capital, Jefferies and Tradition Private Markets saw the majority of transactions they advised on fall into the LP-led category. And maybe to pull out some specifics, uh, although we didn't ask respondents to break this down in our survey, Evercore kindly sent across their average timings for these transactions. They said the average time from launch to signing for LP-leds was eight weeks, with the average time from launch to close taking nine weeks for the advisor. Lastly, Asante, Jeffries, PJT Park Hill and Credit Suisse advised on NAV loans and preferred equity transactions for their clients as well. Adam, can you give us the top line from the law firm survey, please? Yes, with pleasure. So this was the seventh year that we've conducted this law firm survey of secondaries activity. In total, the 19 law firms who responded to this year's survey said that they advised on a collective $754 billion worth of deals. So this isn't really, I guess, a kind of total size of the secondaries market. We know annual deal volume for 2022 was somewhere between 100 and 130 billion, as you mentioned. But this paints a picture of really the size of the legal side of this market. They're advising on somewhat pushing towards a trillion dollars of total work. So that's the large jump from when we first conducted our survey in, I think it was 2015 or 2016, when the firms that responded advised on a collective sort of 60 odd billion or something like that. So, so the secondary's market on the legal side is absolutely growing. Some key takeaways Everyone's been talking about the rise of single asset deals. These GP-led continuation fund deals that involve sole assets now account for somewhat to sort of half of all continuation fund deals. And DLA Piper, a law firm, advised on the highest number of single asset deals uh, at 69. So that was an interesting takeaway from our results. 
Overall, the picture was really one of a slant towards GP-leds. So the majority of law firms said that they worked mainly on GP-leds last year. There were only three law firms who advised on more LP-leds. So this is the traditional fund stake secondary sales. Morgan Lewis advised on 65% LP-led transactions by dollar volume. Winston's Drawn advised on the highest amount of LP-led transactions at 83%. So it shows that... While the market is certainly leaning towards GP-LEDs, there is still a very healthy sector of LP stake trading going on, and some law firms are certainly capitalising on that. So, Adam, I know that you mentioned as well the prevalence, there was quite a prevalence of preferred equity deals and NAV loan transactions in the law firm report. Can you talk us through what you sort of found, what you unpicked there? Yes, that's right, Maddie. So a few years ago, when we asked, started to ask law firms about their work on you know, preferred equity deals and, and NAV loans, um, it was really a small part of their overall work. This year, 11 of the 19 firms provide, said that they worked on preferred equity and, and NAV loan deals. Actually, more than 11 did, but uh, 11 provided a breakdown. So we were able to kind of compare on kind of percentage basis as to, to how many deals that they worked on. That was certainly an uptick from previous years, and that's a change in evolution that we've seen in the law firm side of the market. So not more law firms advising on these types of structures compared to a few years ago when they weren't advising on any. And so, Maddie, at the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about the rise of single asset deals. You mentioned to me previously that there was an interesting split in terms of single asset work among the advisors. Yes, so we had six firms advise on single asset transactions. For these firms, these transactions accounted for over $1 billion in each scenario that I went through. Evercore took the lead here, advising on 18 of these transactions worth $15.7 billion, followed by both PJT Park Hill and Credit Suisse, who advised on seven single asset transactions last year. I mentioned in the piece, I believe, that at the back end of last year, advisors seemed to be very mindful of transactions that they were willing to take on. Certainly in the second half of last year and then moving into this year, those I was speaking with told me multi-asset continuation funds may be favoured for reasons including the fact that buyers at that point may have reached their constraint limits for single asset continuation fund transactions. Uh, But we have seen some sizable single asset transactions recently. Oakley's 1.2 billion euro continuation fund for Germany University Group IU Group, advised by Lazard, for example. Alpine's $2 billion GP-led transaction for home and commercial services platform Apex Service Partners, advised by Evercore. Calera Capital, $700 million deal for healthcare and laundry service company Image First, advised by Jefferies. I think as more buyers turn on their new flagship funds, it'll be interesting to see how these transactions play out in next year's figures. Mm, Okay. Um, And I'm interested, Maddie, I mean, can you kind of share more about the GP-led versus LP portfolio split as far as advisors are concerned? And just curious, I mean, from your conversations with the market, what are you hearing about? Yeah, so I didn't note at the top, 100% of Flow advisors, Devon Park advisors and Credit Suisse's time were spent on GP-led, while Elm Capital focused all of its time on LP-leds. Just looking um, at my charts again, I'm just glancing over it. A lot of time was focused on GP-LEDs, but given the denominator effects and the bid-ask spread narrowing somewhat this year, I wouldn't be surprised if that 
shifts what advisors are picking up on this year. There's such a buzz around the LP-led opportunities that are coming out this year. Only this morning I was writing up on Ardian's annual report where the firm was detailing the unprecedented opportunities the current market dynamic is bringing up. So we and our colleagues have reported on some large fund sales this year. Kaiser Permanente's shopping a $6 billion portfolio. General Motors pension fund is selling a portfolio of private equity fund stakes that could total up to $1 billion or more. Lauren Chicken Bank, the Japanese fishing and agriculture industry bank, is shopping a portfolio of private equity fund stakes, which is around $1.5 billion or more in size. So it'll be interesting to see how advisors split their time between LP-leds and GP-leds in 2023. And um, should we start going through the asset class split as well? What was the asset class split for the law firm survey? Were there any interesting trends? I mean, I know obviously predominantly we see these reports come through. They're all advising on buyouts, but any sort of outlier sectors um, or any sort of areas in which the law firms are really leaning into that you haven't seen in previous years? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, Maddie. And you're right that private equity still accounted for the bulk of all of law firms' uh, activity. So anywhere between at the very low end of the spectrum, 45%, to at the very high end of the spectrum, 95 even higher than that. So that's kind of no surprise. Um, when you look at real assets in asset classes like real estate and infrastructure, it's a smattering here and there. And when I look back at previous survey results from previous years, it is uh, a bit lumpy, I guess. In certain years, you'll get an uptick in real estate activities. Certain years, you'll get an uptick in, in infrastructure activities. So no huge surprises there. One thing that did stick out to me for this year was the rise of private credit deals. So at least four firms reported that they advised on you know, fairly decent amounts of private credit secondaries deals. Even more firms said that they worked on these deals, but they didn't provide an actual breakdown. So we haven't included those in our charts that we produce. But this is a big change from, say, four or five years ago, when we would ask people for their private credit secondaries activity, and, and almost no law firms said that they worked on such deals. So this reflects the fact that the private credit secondaries market is growing from something that really didn't exist sort of four years ago to something that law firms are starting to advise on. One law firm even said that it advised 15 to 20 percent of their deals on private credit, which is a sizable amount. It's not the same as private equity, obviously, but uh, it seems to be a growing area of interest. Yes, I do believe that with the law firms, I know some of them have begun to do this just in the way their secondaries teams are, are formed or the way that they're sort of forming them moving forward. But I think a key and interesting point will be the time in which law firms as a whole mirror the breadth of secondary sectors that people are transacting on. Yes, interesting. So how about on the advisory side then, Maddie? What does the latest advisory survey show about the asset class split? Yes. So we have a range of different asset classes represented among the advisors that responded to our survey. Buyouts made up for most except PJT Park Hill, which saw half of its exposure in buyouts with 18% falling into real estate and infrastructure. And tradition private markets, uh, which saw most of its exposure fall into infrastructure, followed by real estate and then buyouts. But roughly for them, it was a pretty even third, third, third split. 
VC and growth grabbed quite a bit of advisors' attention, just skimming across my chart here that's sitting in front of me. And infrastructure too also gained a bit of attention, or quite a bit of attention from advisors. Jeffries advised across the most number of asset classes with 72% of its exposure falling into the private equity and buyout bucket. Uh, but it also advised across private credit, real estate, venture capital and growth, infrastructure, and last but not least, fund of funds and secondaries. So Adam, you know, you've been working on these reports for years now. When do you think, or at any particular point, will someone be able to come close to the levels that Evercore is seeing in future? That's a very interesting uh, question, Maddie. I mean, you're right that Evercore has been market leader for some time in terms of deal volume. That's no surprise to listeners. It was a question I asked uh, Nigel Dawn, who is head of private capital advisory, I should say global head of private capital advisory at Evercore, a few years ago when I interviewed him for a profile and I asked him, you know, how long do you think that you'll uh, be in the position that you're in? And he sort of laughed and said, well, somebody had said to him the other day that uh, something like all great empires come to an end. So he's aware that they're not going to kind of be in their position forever. Interestingly, I came across the other day a somewhat sort of informal forum, chat forum online, where somebody asked in the secondaries market, in 10 years time, which advisor do they think will be at the top of the market? I'm not going to say which advisor this forum is this anonymous. (laughs) No, I'll let listeners uh, do the Googling and that they can try and find this chart. But it was interesting because it did list, you know, some of the very well-known names in the advisory market, but it also had some boutique firms uh, up there. So if anyone's interested, please feel free to Google this uh, and you'll see a list of who some anonymous people in the market think is going to be at the top of the secondaries advisory community in 10 years time. Or feel free to send your hot thoughts and takes onto us in an on-background capacity, and maybe we could create our own leak table for a fun end-of-year activity. So, Adam, I know you in particular, you had an interesting takeaway from the law firm report this year. I, I don't know what it is, so <laughs> I'm learning with the listeners. <laughs> what is this interesting takeaway? Yes, well, I mean, it, it goes without saying that, you know, whenever we attempt to conduct this type of survey, it a lot of it revolves around standardization. You know, the secondaries market has, has grown so quickly that it's often hard to compare sort of apples with apples. And this came to a fore actually last year in 2022 when we kind of sat down with a lot of the major law firms involved in secondaries and and asked them, you know, if we're going to continue to conduct these surveys, we want to kind of agree on some parameters. Otherwise, different law firms are going to be counting secondaries deals differently and we're going to have very wildly fluctuating reported amounts, which might not make any sense because for law firms are including one thing, whereas another law firm is not including that type of deal or transaction or something like that. So we did attempt to improve that for last year's survey, and we agreed on a set of parameters. This year, again, I mean, it's worth noting that we can do more in terms of improving standardizations of of terms and agreeing upon what is a secondaries deal and, and what isn't. What should be counted in terms of work that a law firm spends time on? What shouldn't be counted? I mean, it's it's worth noting that the secondaries market is just evolving so rapidly that sometimes it's hard to agree on something because there are differing views of, you know, what is a secondaries deal, what should be counted as secondaries legal work. So I think it's worth pointing that out, that there's, there's still work to be done around agreeing on apples and apples. 
It's a work in progress. It always will be. We make that transparent in our surveys and we provide parameters to law firms so that they know what should be counted and what shouldn't be counted. But it is a work in progress. We're always trying to improve it. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any interesting tips for the podcast, drop me a line at madeline.f at peimedia.com. In the meantime, find all of your secondary market news on secondariesinvestor.com. And to hear more episodes of Spotlight and our next breakdown of developments in the secondaries market, find us wherever you listen to podcasts or at any of PEI Group's various titles online. I'm Madeline Farman. Thanks for listening.